one. Hope you enjoyed your Memorial Day weekend. Welcome back to the episode of the Five Tool Podcast. I'm Dust McComas, joined once again, as always, by Drew Bishop. And if you're tuning in on YouTube, yes, my backdrop's a little different. Uh, it was a, a big last 24 hours in the McComas house. Jack, my two-year-old, has been moved into his big boy room um, in preparation for uh, his little sister to soon be born. And uh, whew, tomorrow's June, and that means it could be it could be birth month for child too. But I got a little bit of a different backdrop. I'm uh, I'm set up in my uh, makeshift office in the kitchen right now. So uh, hopefully it sounds good. I think it looks a little bit better. I got this kind of, you know, what do you call this? Uh, chic, you know, like, oh, my wife's theme for the wedding was Hacienda Chic. So that's kind of what we got going on here. I did. I didn't. I did enjoy the breakfast tacos. So I'm glad. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Drew. Uh, Drew uh, was the uh, the biggest biggest fan of the breakfast tacos at our reception. But so I've got a mirror back here, not as cool as a drawing from a national championship. But hey, um, adding a little, I guess, a little style um, to my backdrop on the podcast. But uh, you know, I was texting Drew. Uh, I think on Thursday. Um, and I was like, man, we just, we, we don't have a lot of talk about today. Let's just kind of postpone it and we'll knock out two next week. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about today between yes. the high school games we went to our five tool events kicked off with um, you were at some of the games in the DFW kickoff event there. Uh, we've got the college baseball um, tournament bracket is out. The 64 teams were unveiled on Monday. So we got a ton to talk about. And I was at some high school games as well. But uh, uh, first off, you you survived, you know, I, I know, like, yeah, I was talking to Brooks. And I was like, I've never done a June at five tool yet. You know, we, we both started in July. Um, but June is like, it, it's, it's hot. Go and heavy. It's go time, man, we've got the college league going, we've got our kickoff events. Uh, we're kind of gearing up for for the, the bigger events later down the calendar. Uh, did you survive? You know, how, how are you hanging in there? How's the caffeine define, consumption going? <laughs> define survive. You're here. Think, You're yeah, here. I'm here. We're here. Ryan Brewer said it best uh, last night as we were leaving the field because, you know, with you and I starting late last summer, you know, we just kind of got to show up and go to games and kind of, you know, pop around and do whatever we wanted. And we were leaving yesterday after, you know, sitting in a press box on the computer a good chunk of the day. And he said, Hey buddy. He said, welcome to five tool, (laughs) you know, and I'll tell you what, like we talked about this a little bit before, but the schedule, the tournament schedule making process is a skill and an art. And we spent a lot of time yesterday and he was, you know, fielding requests. Like he hits send on a bracket and the phone just stops, starts ringing and ringing and ringing. And the guy's a master at it. He figures out how to make stuff work and he just sees the scheduling stuff and just has it programmed in his brain. And we spent a couple minutes checking off that everyone got everything going. And, um, it was, it was a, uh, it was an event to witness putting together next week's schedule for a tournament. I mean, I've yeah. never seen anything like it, but he was kind of like, yeah, buddy, this is, this is the real stuff. So Got a little bit of taste of that. We've got college, our, the DFW College League starting today. The Houston mm-hmm. League started tomorrow. I mean, excuse me, started yesterday. Um, got that. Got some events this weekend. Got some more playoffs going on on the high school side. Yesterday, like you said, we got the college brackets. So, yeah, all everything all at once. 
It's yeah, fun. It's a lot so, going on, but yeah, it's, you know, like we, like we talked about, you don't really, people that play in these events or follow these events or parents or kids, whatever, don't really realize what goes on behind the scenes in terms of the operations, but really the scheduling and, and Brewer and Nick Tim's like, I've, I remember sitting at premiere and watching Nick go to work during a uh, rain delay. It's like the phone starts buzzing and he's sitting there on the computer and just like, okay, this, this field's got a weather delay. This one doesn't this and that or whatever. It takes a special individual. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, we, uh, we turned on uh, the hangover was on TV last night. And when um, uh, Galifianakis's character goes to the, the casino with uh, the blackjack and he's got all the numbers and things like that. That's kind of how I imagine uh, Brewer and Tim's when they go to work. It's just like all these numbers and things and they're just sitting there going to work. But yeah, man, it takes a special, special person to be able to put those puzzles together and and do that. So uh, survived the first weekend, which is good. Um, you know, many, many more good ones to come. And I think we'll blink and it'll be August, um, you know, and then there'll probably be about hundreds of games uh, behind us. But uh, speaking of games, um, you you started your back into the week with a good one with uh, Adam Reed and Aiden Sims matchup in the playoffs. And I, I saw some of the video clips of Aiden Sims. And uh, if you're unfamiliar with this 2024 pitcher, uh, get familiar because he's he's definitely going to be when we do our 2024 list there. If, if he's not number one, they're not going to be many guys ahead of him. Right. I mean, the it was the Aiden Sims show, essentially. Um, and Dom Reed pitched really well. Also the only mistake he made, you know, he had an inning where he led off the inning with a walk. Next guy hit a double that bounced off first base. Mm-hmm. And then on a three Oh count, Aiden Sims hit a three run bomb and they ended up winning three zero. Uh, Aiden Sims was really, really good. Um, he can pitch, he can move the ball around with the fastball. He has a swing and miss slider. Uh, Brandon Goins and PBR and I were sitting together and, you know, we, he was keeping track of all the swing and misses, uh, that Aiden had. And it was, it was at least 15 over the course of the game. And it wasn't all the breaking ball. Um, you know, he was getting some swing and miss on fastball, but he can really pitch. He hasn't grown yet. Um, you know, as he continues to fill out and, uh, and really get stronger. I mean, it's, the sky's the limit for that kid. Yeah. Um, he's a special talent and um, it's going to be fun to watch him over the next couple of years. So, is he a hair guy? Is he still team hair? He's he's a hair guy. Yeah. yeah you know, that's you never hurts. Never no. hurts when we're going through Kinda the Kind of adds a little something to the breaking ball, I think. Yeah, it may. You know, I guess the the force of the or the inertia of the hair and all that. Yeah. You know, just yeah. add something to it. But yeah, that's that's the uh, the analytics stuff that people don't see all the time. Uh, that they talk about but yeah it was a fun game great environment Forney's got a great stadium um so it was good to be over there and I'll tell you what that Forney looks way different than it did when we were in high school because my best friend went to Forney and I spent a lot of my childhood in Forney and that was my first time back probably since like 2002 maybe three Mm -hmm. and I didn't know where in the world I was like it did not look like the same place I, I couldn't even tell if it was the same like spot that the high school was in before <laughs> it definitely wasn't the same ballpark but they've got this great uh baseball and softball setup that they call the rabbit hole because they're the jack rabbits mm-hmm. so but yeah and forney ended up uh sweeping and moving on so they're heading to heading to the regional finals yeah they've got they got frisco wakeland in that one and uh 
So you got you got a couple of looks at Dom Reed. I think that you know, obviously their season didn't end how they wanted it to, but deep playoff run. Um, he's gonna he's gonna be a fifty five guy for us when we update the list. I mean, it, I, I think no doubt. he he really had a strong. We heard some buzz late summer about him. Yeah. Um, and Oklahoma State smartly jumped in there and got a commitment. Saw him in the fall and it was really intriguing. But it it, it seems like this high school season the consistency and the stuff and, and the performance was definitely there. Yeah, he was, he was really good. Like I said, he, you know, just on that night, he got overshadowed by Aiden Sims because of one pitch essentially, yeah. but he was really good, really good. Um, you know, he, he moved the ball around good command um, stuff. Ball just jumps out of his hand. You see a lot, mm-hmm. a lot more in the tank for him. And yeah. he goes to a place like Oklahoma state with Rob Walton and they man, know what they're doing. Exactly. So, you know, he, he's going to have a bright future on the mound up in Stillwater and um, he's, he's an exciting player. Really yeah. good. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think the Rockwall fan base was a little confused that I was in attendance for a, uh, for a yeah. Rockwall game instead of, instead of Mr. Rockwall himself, Drew Bishop. But um, fortunately for me, the Woodlands and Rockwall played their three game series at Concordia university in the Austin area, only about 20, 25 minutes from my house. Uh, which was nice. And conveniently, it's one of the few places I've ever gone to that, like, no matter what time of the day is, there's always a route that doesn't have traffic. It was very nice. I could leave at like 530 or six and not hit a, a, an ounce of traffic at all heading in there. But um, I was up there Thursday and Friday to watch the two, the first two games in that series, which Rockwell ended up winning the deciding game three. It looked like a really dramatic um, game three. But the first game, um, Mac Rose on the mound for Rockwall. Um Woodlands kind of jumped on him early, didn't get a lot of defensive help. A ball fell in that shouldn't have. Another one got over an outfielder's head that shouldn't have. And Woodlands uh, put up three runs early on. But I was impressed, you know, kept his composure, didn't let that get to him, um, carried his stuff into the seventh inning. I mean, he was on the mound with the final out of the game, which ended up being a uh, the Woodlands won it on a walk-off pass ball situation with the bases loaded. But, you know, for that – that heat, I mean, it was hot. I mean, and to carry his stuff like he did, I was impressed. Um, fastball was up to 91, um, kept it down in the zone, kind of had some life down in the zone. Um, slider, change up, through the change up with confidence. Um, it, it's really exciting to watch him pitch because I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of arm strength. There's a lot of kind of feel for spin, but there's also a lot of, I think, fine tuning and that'll come with you know, learning how to pitch, learning how to repeat arm slots and hand placements and all those sorts of things. And um, I just think there's a lot that he can still tap into, which is, you know, you can't always say that about guys that are really, really good um, that are already thrown in the low 90s as a high school junior. But he swung the bat well, too, both games. Uh, swung the bat well from the left side. Um, I think he had at least three or four hard hit line drives, um, added some punch to the middle of that rock wall lineup. But um, the Woodlands ended up winning that first game four to three on the walk-off um, Ethan Cornell, 23 Houston Baptist commit. I mean, again, we talk about Houston Baptist, just the job they're doing, especially in that 2023 class. Um, fastball was up to 87, kind of hovered around the mid eighties, played up a little bit, kind of went up the zone, but the changeup is the real standout pitch for him. I, I think it's going to be one of the better changeups in that 2023 class uh, kind of showed two different breaking balls. I think they're both a work in progress, uh, but, but the fastball changeup combo uh, was really, really promising there. And uh, Sammy York, who's an uncommitted 2023 from, from the Woodlands, uh, tall, physical first baseman, plays for Hunter Pence this summer. He's a guy I noted when I saw 
uh, the Hunter Pence uh, Scout Day in the fall, um, really drove one to the to the to the wall in left field. I saw he hit a homer in game three. Um, he's got some bat speed there. There's a little bit of leverage to the swing. Um, an uncommitted guy, I think, that's going to attract some some D, D1 uh, interest, probably at the mid-major level, but there's going to be some programs that are keeping tracks on him. Um, but uh, the second game, Rockwell came to life. Um, you know, Braden Sharp was on the mound for the Woodlands. You could tell that he was kind of – I don't know if he was on fumes or, or, or feeling quite right, but um, he was 88 to 90 – or mostly touched 91 once. You know, this is a guy I saw up to 95 earlier in the season, and – this time of year, man, these guys are throwing a lot of innings. It's hot. Um, you know, they're just kind of it's it's you know, you just get these outings sometimes where a little fatigue sets in and um, just couldn't quite find the control enough. Um, you know, an air behind them kind of helped compound the issues on the mound and he ended up having a short outing. But Rockwell took total control of that one. And I was texting you about Cade Crossland. I mean, what a get for how do you pronounce it? What Washita. Washita. Wachita Baptist, what a get for those guys. Um, this is a guy that I, the type of left-handed starting pitcher you see, in, I think like a Sam Houston State or a Texas State or a DBU or, I mean, I mean this guy throws strikes with the fastball. It's, a, it's got some sinking life to it. He can move it around the strike zone, keeps it down well. And that changeup, man, it flashed plus. It plays off the fastball extremely well. Um, he's got some real upside, um, but he can pitch, you know, he can pitch. Um, I think the breaking ball is, it's a little bit of a work in progress, but he throws it for strikes. Uh, certainly a pitch that you've got to think about with him, but man, he went out there and did his thing for Rockwall with their season on the line. And, uh, I, I think that that's a, a fantastic get, uh, for Wachita and, uh, he's, he's, he's got some upside for sure, but, you know, uh, I can see why everybody at Rockwall so high on Pearson Reebok. The 2024 is uncommitted third baseman. Made a couple of tough plays defensively. Um, hit the ball hard in that second game. Hits leadoff uh, for those guys. It's a pretty strong statement when you got a sophomore hitting leadoff um, for Rockwall. And then Braden Reynolds got going in that second game. Um, hit the ball hard a couple of times. Um, added some energy to that lineup. A guy that looks like undoubtedly one of the top players in the state for 2023. Um, and Andrew Tellier had some bright moments. He standout defensive guy, man. He really tracked the ball well in center field. Weatherford College signee. Um, I, I think they got to be thrilled with him. Um, and then Tyler Rollins, who I believe is still an uncommitted senior um, outfielder for Rockwall, right-handed hitter. Man, he hammered the ball at least three times. Um, just really competitive at bats. Found the barrel several times. Um, hits in the middle of that Rockwall lineup. He, he had a he had a promising weekend there, but. Uh, Rockwall ended up winning that series again, uh, moving on to the next round to face rival Heath. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, that's – buckle up for that one. Um, didn't they meet in the playoffs last year too? If Same I remember round. Right? Same round. Region, regional finals. Yeah, going back to the Rockwall thing, a couple things. You know, we've talked about Kate Crossland before, but he's he's big time, man. He, he's got ice in his veins, low heart rate guy. You know, you probably couldn't tell if he was pitching if he was – in the middle of throwing a no hitter, which he did in the playoffs to start. And, uh, or if he was down 10, zero, you know, he's going to be the same guy, no matter yeah. what, just competes, throw the ball in there. Um, dad's the pitching coach for Rockwall, And, you know, you, you can tell he obviously knows how to pitch another guy. I wanted to highlight for Rockwall, uh, Jake Overstreet, you know, he had the, uh, knowing Jake, you know, that pitched it on, in game one that ended it on the pass ball was, was up. It was a tough pitch to handle, but knowing Jake, like, 
he is going to, he's going to take that hard and, and think it's his fault, but he bounced back in a big way. I think he um, had a huge game three, didn't he? He if, did if three, right. three. Yeah. He was three for four, had an RBI, scored a run. And you know, that's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff that makes good players good. You know, everyone's going to make mistakes. We know it's all a game of failure. Um, and he bounced back and had a huge part in, in winning the series, but yeah, moving back to the, the Rockwall Heath showdown they're playing over at the at the Frisco ballpark uh the Rough Riders on Thursday and Friday um but yeah the, the the problem they have when they get to the playoffs especially when they're playing each other is that neither stadium can hold the crowd City. I mean it's bottom line <laughs> yeah I mean it you know I just thinking back like it it would totally shut down Rockwall traffic wise yeah. if you were playing at either spot and then there wouldn't be parking you know i mean they're expect they'll expect over you know kind of the the number they were looking for when looking for a place to play was five thousand people so wow. um yeah so it's always funny to me that we're just like last year when they played at dbu you're driving about an hour away from your hometown to have two teams playing yeah that's yeah. what they got to do you know yeah. that's the kind of demand this game brings and um it'll be fun it'll be fun to watch last year Rockwall won two out of three of the regular season. And then obviously Heath won the playoffs um, this year. They, they opened district, which was kind of a bummer because it was so early in the season. Um, and obviously the biggest matchup in the district, but they opened district and Heath won both games. So it'll be interesting to see um, how, how this one goes. I mean, you know, there, we talked about it. Both teams are good up the middle. Yeah. Both teams have some star power. Um, so it's going to be fun. You know, it's just, you know, it's it's crazy. We'll have the same matchup in the regional final here as we did last year with uh, Southlake and, uh, and Keller over yeah. in Region 1. So just, you know, programs that you expect to be in the mix all the time, and they just keep doing what they do. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we're inching as, you know, week away from the state tournament. It's, it's starting to get fun, starting to get serious. Yeah. And uh, one guy that I mentioned for the Woodlands, Ty Harris, uh, 2022 Brown signee, um, came in, was up to 87 from the left side on the mound, had a really interesting breaking ball and, and made a phenomenal catch coming off the mound on a, on a bunt that got popped up. And um, yeah, that's kind of how it is for these programs that are, that are still playing is, you know, they just bring guys out of the bullpen that are, you know, mid to upper eighties with, with a breaking ball. Um, so it looks like a really good get for Brown there because um, I think he's got some potential on the mound, but yeah, it's kind of like rivalry week in 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 the in the regional uh, the regional semifinal or excuse me the regional finals with Keller and Southlake. Obviously, there's some drama there in that district matchup earlier this year, and then Rockwall and Rockwall Heath, um, and then you know Lake Travis ends up playing Reagan, San Antonio Reagan, which two really really good programs, and then uh, Fort Bridge Ridgepoint um, playing straight Jesuit in the regional finals there, and Ridgepoint just um, they keep hitting, keep hitting, and keep figuring out ways to win games, but. Um, yeah, wrapping up my, my playoff stuff, um, finally saw Justin Lampkin, got my eyes on him. Um, the one guy that's kind of eluded us uh, throughout the season. Um, I, I waited it out and got a game in San Antonio down in Northeast Park um, against Bernie, and um, he, was, he was good. You, you could tell he's throwing a lot of innings, um, but you could also tell, like, why, why he's been so tough for people to hit because – it's a it's a low slot deliver like arm angle and with some deception. So what happens when you get a guy that's kind of tall like that and they're low slot and they have deception is that if they get the fastball shape right on the four seam, 
it kind of keeps look like it looks like it just keeps rising, you know, and he didn't quite have that that same fastball zip that I'm sure he had earlier on in the season. He was um, he was up to 88 in the first inning, but was mostly 84 to 87 throughout. I mean, he pitched into the eighth inning uh, efficiently. I think he only threw 99 pitches in the game. Um, but you can see, like, that's why it's so hard for people to handle because you got this tall guy. It's an easy delivery. You don't see the arm. You don't see the ball, you know, and all of a sudden it just kind of comes out of this low slot all of a sudden. And it just kind of looks like sometimes like it's rising. And then the changeup plays off of that beautifully. I mean, right-handed hitters having real problems with the changeup. Um, and then he can really spin a breaking ball as well. That lefty's had a real big problem with kind of more of a two-plane curveball. Uh, but he was good. He ended up punching out nine, which for him is a, is a low strikeout total. Uh, but Bernie <laughs> ended up winning that game um, with a walk-off in the eighth inning. Um, you know, uh, Cam Johnson, who's committed to, uh, to Wichita State, a junior shortstop, had a lot of problems with breaking balls early in the game against Justin Lampkin. And they threw him a fastball. And uh, he ended up hitting it off the left, uh, hitting it hard. The left fielder misplayed it, gets a double, moves a third on an errant pickoff throw in the center field. And then Riley Pekacek uh, has an RBI single over the shortstop's head with the infield drawn in to win the game there. And uh, Pekacek got them on the board in the first inning with an RBI double, uh, jumped all over a fastball. Really athletic, strong kid. You can tell this is a standout football player as well. He's got some bat speed there, really hunts the fastball. He's going to be a guy that I think a lot of D1 programs track closely this summer. Um, you know, he's already garnered a lot of attention with, with the season that he had, but um, he swung the bat well. Um, and then Rashawn Galloway, um, that's a great get for Texas State, I think. Um, yep. Jumped all over a fastball, really hit it hard, really competitive at bat, saw the ball well, competed well behind behind the dish defensively. But um, getting back to Lampkin, it, it's going to be it, – it's, it's, he's going to end up at school, I think. Um, you know, there are only a couple of scouts there. And this time of year, if, you know, if you're going to end up being a signee, there's, there's probably going to be some heat there. But it's going to be fascinating to see what he becomes in college because I think that he's going to be a monster. Um, the velocity right now isn't quite where it was in the summer – but there's the makings for a guy that's upper 80s, low 90s consistently. And with that slot, and you know Texas A&M is going to get the fastball shape going and they're going to fine-tune some things and they're going to get the most out of them. I think he's got a chance to leave Texas State uh, – excuse me, Texas A&M. Kind of like a, a Pete Hansen-type career, you know, like a, that guy that's, that's knocking count. on the door uh, as like a his second – third round kind of guy but he's he's like a borderline all-american multiple times and um can pitch can move the ball around is a really tough guy to handle so i think that's a really really good gift for texas a&m i'm, I'm excited to see uh what he becomes i'm excited to see what happens thursday because i think they won the flip because it's a one game playoff against Sinton on thursday night uh, Whataburger Field. If you're in the Corpus Christi area, um, I, I mean, I think those two teams played last year in the playoffs at Whataburger Field, and, like it was sold out. Like you couldn't, you couldn't get in. Um, so he'll probably be throwing against. I mean, imagine he'd be throwing against Sinton, even though he threw on Saturday. But um, fun guy to watch. Can really pitch. I mean, he's going to be a handful for that Sinton lineup. But um, going back to Bernie, you know, Kyle ended up winning the third game to move on. Obviously, since they're playing Sinton, but. Uh, really great season for Bernie. Um, Tyler Garantino, a junior committed to Baylor. I was impressed with him. He's up to 89 miles an hour, held his stuff deep into the game. Once he found field for a slider, it was a good slider. It was one of those really short break, tight sliders that almost looks like a cutter. 
um, because there's just not that much break to it. Really gave hitters a lot of problems on the Cal Allen side. Um, he's got a bright future there. Two-way guy um, hits, hits I think, fifth for Bernie as well. But um, that Bernie team, it's a bummer about Cole Phillips because, man, I think that could have been a state championship caliber team um, with, with a healthy Cole Phillips. But they'll be back next year. You know, Tyler Garantino will be back. Rather, Pekacek will be back. They'll have some guys coming back to make a run there. Um, so hats off to Bernie on the heck of the season. But uh, finally got my eyes on Justin Lampkin. So I think with us seeing Lampkin now, that means – that when our 55 is done and published after the high school season ends, we will have seen in person every single player on the list, including the summer, uh, the fall, and then the high school season, which um, doing that in, you know, 11 months, uh, basically, um, that's, uh, that's, that's quite the chore, but we ended up pulling it off. I uh, was happy to get down there to see Justin Lampion because that's been the one that's been uh, been been on my radar, but just not quite close enough to zoom down there and and get some eyes on. Him. And I was happy too to get to see him against a, like a legitimate lineup, you know, like a right. team that can actually hit a little bit. Um, and obviously, he'll have a tougher test this weekend against Sinton. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you know, m- moving on to seeing some guys, um, you know, got to see a handful of guys up here in our DFW event. A um, couple standouts um, from from the weekend. The first one. Uh, 2024 commit Sawyer Farr for AM. and um, Playing with Dallas Tigers was as advertised. Um, I don't know. I don't think we assign an MVP to the event, but if there had to be one, he would probably be it for that age group. I mean, he was he was really good all weekend. Um, had a couple. We we've been talking it through a bunch of different people after watching him, and we've had a couple different comps come up for him, and they're all. Uh, they're all good. Um, so take your pick on which one, um, you know, basically, uh, we came, you know, the, one of the original ones for me was Brandon Shoemake, uh, former AM player. Yeah. So, you know, it makes a little bit of sense, but, um, you know, tall, thin, um, you know, what he ends up playing is going to be dictated by how much he fills out probably. But mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to be a left side of the infield guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think it, he's, he's switch hit at some point. Um, he was hitting every time I saw him this weekend, he was hitting left-handed, but, and it wasn't just because it was a right-handed pitcher, um, but uh, can really run good athlete. Uh, I think he's, he's going to be a guy that's definitely in that top 10 for our first 2024 yeah, uh, yeah. crack at the, at the 55 um, really good player. Really liked what we saw from him. A couple, you know, Jeff came up with the con of a comp of Hunter to Plansky. Okay. Um, defensively he kind of gathers and throws a lot like Jordy Mercer um really loose actions things are easy for him there's another pretty tall shortstop yes yeah and then and then another guy that he moves a little bit like to me is Cade McGar you know just kind of kind of like I said effortless moves yeah. moves pretty easy um and yeah sky's the limit for that guy I mean he's he's gonna be a big time player um he's gonna be a, you know if he keeps on this upward trend i mean he's definitely going to be a guy that's in draft consideration yeah. by the time you, that rolls around but you know you have a good weekend when you get a youtube highlight reel on the five tool page like that's yeah that no means doubt. there's that that means you had uh you had a lot of video that was good yeah for sure and then the other guy that i saw um younger brother of uh flower mound marcus jake doer um we had a uh, rock doer 2025. He was playing with Midland and I got to see him in a couple different games yesterday. 
they made the the winner's bracket of their group. But it was funny. I got to, got to meet his dad. And then sure enough, like right as I was meeting his dad, he's the leadoff hitter in their first game and smashes a triple off the wall. And <laughs> there's a, there's a lot to like, I mean, hitting is in the doer family. Yeah. Life. I was going to say, I mean, the genes apparently. Yeah. Hit, hit, hitting is part of what they do in their family. And uh, rock is just going to carry on that tradition, but I think he's going to be a big time player. Hasn't grown yet. Um, as he continues to grow, I mean, he has some bat speed and he's strong for a guy of his age and that hasn't grown yet, you know, so he's going to be a fun one to watch for the next three years. Um, really liked what we saw out of him. He pitched in the final game too. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's just a baseball player. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I got a good look at him and really exciting to see what he turns into, but I, I liked what I saw for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like I saw some, some of the video footage on him and uh, yeah, the hitting definitely runs in the family, but um yeah, fun, fun kickoff event uh, up in up in the DFW area. Um, so definitely some talented guys. It's like, man, as soon as this, we'll we'll put the bow on the 2022 class here coming up shortly, and then it's just like, oh wait, here come here come the standout 25s coming through the ranks. It's like, oh my gosh, like you remind yourself that college coaches have to recruit basically four years at a time with the transfer portal and the JUCO. It's like. Hey, you guys are uh, you guys are worth every penny you're getting paid if you're doing this thing the right way. So, um, well, speaking of the college coaches, um, we've got a bracket for for the uh, for the college baseball um, postseason tournament. And uh, you know, the first thing I thought of when I saw the bracket is something that we've talked about. I think it's just going to be pure chaos. <laughs> like it's just because there's just not. I think it's very clearly Tennessee. Stanford and Oregon State I think the committee got those those top three overall seeds right and then after that I think it's every other host team throw them in a throw them a hat and pick pick you know because they're all kind of similar and I was looking through it that like you look at some of these number two seeds in these regions I mean it's like the who's who of college baseball recently Vanderbilt UCLA um Oregon, TCU, Arizona, LSU, Arkansas, Virginia. Like, I mean, there are some big-time programs that ended up in those two-seed slots. Even a team like Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma's got a real chance to win that Gainesville Regional. Like, Florida just – they just kind of tend to fall flat lately, and that's not a tough place to play. They don't draw very well. Um, but, um, you know, just, just fun to see this bracket. What were your first thoughts – um, when this thing came out after uh, after the conference tournaments, which is so weird to me that like they announced the hosts as the conference tournaments are still going. But I guess that's kind of what ends up happening with the NCAA basketball tournament as well. I mean, it, it, it's kind of silly. Yeah. I mean, you know, is the outcome of one game going to change the minds of the hosts? I mean, or, of who's going to host? It probably shouldn't. Uh, but, you know, it if you're a team like OU, it kind of sinks because, you know, maybe that is what puts you over, yeah. over the top for getting that host. I mean, they were a team I thought could definitely host um, as far as some teams that got left out. I mean, if I were in Indianapolis at, at NCAA, I'd be, I'd be watching, I'd be watching for someone from North Carolina state coming oh, up my man. direction because I cannot imagine that there are very many fans of the NCAA in that. Town. Um, but just two years in a row kind of robbed both obviously yeah. in different, different ways, but I don't know anybody that didn't think that NC state should, should not be. That in. was a bizarre one. Yeah, it was, uh, it was tough. Um, you know, but just looking at some of the regionals, 
man, like there are some, there are some really tough ones like usual. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also like, there's a couple like sneaky tough ones. Um, you know, on, on paper, the Austin regional doesn't look all it's, you know, it doesn't have a lot of the, the name power, but that's a tough regional. Um, especially if you're, if you're Texas starting off with, you know, I'm assuming John Skeens from air force is going to throw that game. See that, um, that to me. Yeah. You know, you know, better than I, how much that, that one, four, like, you know, you don't want a four where you have to burn your guy and right. you don't want a four that actually has a legitimate ace. And that's what air force has. And, um, I just always look at those fours. Like you want a team that has no idea about the environment it's about to walk into. And not only does right. air force know about it, they won a game in Austin earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a, I mean, they put up some huge numbers in a yeah. double midweek down in Austin. And I mean, it was, it was while te- Texas was scuffling a little bit and man, it was just a, a rough part of the season, but yeah, I think, I don't think too many people saw that coming. And so they're not going to, I can't imagine they're too scared coming in there. Nope. Uh, I mean, I, an air force team is probably not going to be scared of anything period, right. you know, cause <laughs> you know, our, our country better hope so at least, uh, yeah. you know, but I mean, th- they were impressive. Everyone I talked to down there was really impressed with them. Um, you know, just kind of glancing at some of the other regionals, I have, let's see, going through them. I've got Tennessee winning theirs, obviously. Mm-hmm. I've got that Georgia Southern one is tough. Like you got tech as a three seed is wild. Um, and then Notre Dame got, got screwed again. They should have hosted. Ex- well, you know what? They were a team that may have been penalized for dodging over six games due to RPI cancellations. Yeah, maybe. So, I mean, I think that's what may have happened there, but man, that's a, that's a rough two. Um, I hate so to say can, it for Georgia Southern, can, but they're not yeah. winning, they're not winning that regional. It's gonna be it's gonna be Tech and Notre Dame. Yeah, congrats, congrats for hosting. Here's yeah. here's your two and three. Yeah. Um, I think Virginia wins the East Carolina one. I agree with you. Um, I I the interesting showdown hopefully takes place between A and M and TCU. I think T I think that Texas A and M is gonna win that regional. They're hot, like that. They're just they're hot. And that's what you want to be, man. They exactly really hit. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, I I don't, that, that Louisville one's a tough one for me. I'm going with Louisville just because, you know, I don't know enough about Oregon and Michigan this year to really have a strong opinion that they win. So I'm just going to go with the favorite. I like you. I think, I think OU is going to be to win that regional, Uh, but they have a tough, they have a tough two, three matchup though. So yeah, they do, you know, um, I think, you know, Texas State getting shipped all the way to Palo Alto is a head scratcher. I, I can't believe that they didn't end up in College Station or Stillwater or, or Austin, Austin or, yeah. yeah, just somewhere. Like, to me, you ship the teams west who are those high major teams that kind of underachieved but were still good. Right. You don't ship the mid-major that had one of the best seasons in their program's history that didn't lose a single road conference game. That, to me, was – I, I, didn't, I didn't get that one by the committee. Um, and I think, unfortunately, for Texas State, Stanford's one of the few teams I look at that are kind of head and shoulders above the pack, um, at least on paper. Yeah, I, I've got them winning that one. I'd love to see Texas State come out of that Yeah, um, if they can. Uh, I got Maryland winning that regional. <clears throat> Shout out to Rob Vaughn. Rob Vaughn. Uh-huh. Uh, Texas high school product co- coach at Maryland, probably still, he's been a coach for a while and probably still one of the youngest 
Yeah. Uh, he's my, like, I grew up playing against him. He's our age. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I think he's a, I think he's a grade behind us. Okay. In school though. Um, I don't, that Oklahoma state and Arkansas is a tough one. I, I don't know. Like, I want to say Arkansas, but they haven't been playing very well. I think um, Oklahoma State's got enough pitching depth to survive. You they, know? they they might. Um, that one's going to be an interesting. That that's a toss up one for me. Um, you know, you got a name brand regional with Miami, Ole Miss, and Arizona. Um, I have Miami coming out of that one. Um, I don't know. I don't know enough about Arizona. Ole Miss has been up and down, but they. I mean. They have they have the the ability to win it. They Miami sure and do. Florida both just and this isn't just the Florida State guy me saying this, but like it feels <laughs> like they it's like a coin flip whether they fall flat or they end up yeah. you know like no there's doubt. there's just and I mean the the atmospheres there like they're okay but they're never going to be confused with what you're going to see in places like like Austin and some of these other places and stuff like that. So yeah, we'll see. But right. yeah, like you, I don't really know enough about Arizona. And I know Ole Miss was kind of hanging on by a thread to get in there. Yeah. That was, a, that was a surprise for a lot of people to see them get in. Um, yeah. I, I have LSU winning that regional, the Southern Miss regional, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jay I think Johnson, that sets up well for them because you can hit your way to win that regional. Right. And Jay Johnson has a, a great track record in the postseason. you know, going to Omaha last year um, with Arizona. So, I mean, they've got that, and they, you know, they've got a couple of guys on that roster that, weren't at, L- at LSU last year that have some postseason experience too, mm-hmm. um, which matters. That matters a lot in the, yes. in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, the Auburn regional. Um, I'll let you pick this one since your Seminoles are in. <laughs> oh man. Did you see how, did you see how many runs UCLA and Oregon state were scoring in the PAC 12 tournament this weekend? Yeah, it was wild. The first it's, Pac-12 tournament ever, by the way. Yeah, first one ever. It's like these. This is what you're missing out on, guys. Like games like this. Um, I. Uh, oof, that's a tough one. Um, I actually like. I think UCLA is going to come out of that one. Um, yeah, that's what I had too. I, I, I think that they're they're probably the most complete team in that regional, and they have the experience. You know, Savage doing his thing there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that to me is, is one I can see, but I, I mean, we're going down the list here and I swear, man, it's, it's tempting to pick a lot of these twos. Uh, I don't have any idea what to think of the Chapel Hill regional. None. I feel like I, I like looked three weeks ago and I was like, ah, North Carolina is just kind of, I don't really know what to think of them. And all of a sudden they're the number 10 seed uh, hosting the regional. So they're hot. Yeah. They got hot at the right time. Um, the East Carolina thing. I, and I, I'm like you, I agree. I think Virginia wins that. It's fascinating because they won what 18 straight games and yeah. like you get out of this rhythm now and everything's different. The media coverage is different. The schedule's different. The teams are different. The expectations are different. And like, I sometimes worry about those teams that like they've had, they've obviously have some postseason track record as a, as a mid major, but um, I always kind of worry about those teams. Like what happens if, if it doesn't all go smoothly right away in that first game, kind of, kind of lose your way a little bit there, but um look looking back at the Austin like that that to me is fascinating because I feel like La Tech and Dallas Baptist were kind of on fumes in the year but they I mean they have the ingredients they both have been in the postseason recently um they're both not going to be I don't think they're going to be in awe by what they see in Austin in terms of the environment I mean DBU almost went to Omaha last year 
Um, La Tech plays at LSU and, and, you know, had their postseason um, run recently. So we'll see. I think this Texas team is more likely to win a super regional than it is to win a regional. Yeah. Because if they get through a regional, I, I think a super is much more easier for them to manage. Uh, but if they don't start 2-0, they're, yeah. I think they're they're in trouble there because that you start to look at the pitching depth and things like that. Um, it's going to be well, tough there. The good thing for them is that they had to win a game um, without Hanson and Gordon to move on in the Big 12 tournament. So, you know, one of the benefits of the tournament, um, you know, a lot of times you're you're not going to risk bringing back your ace unless yeah. you're in a position where you have to do it to make the tournament. So they got some guys, some work that hadn't been throwing regularly mm-hmm. late. And, uh, you know, a guy like Dre Duplantier was good. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, get him some confidence and just having them out back on, out on the mound with some crowds like they had at the Big 12 tournament mm-hmm. might end up being a huge thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, it, that – that scenario is the, the, the conference tournaments are weird. I think we talked about this a little bit, but man, like they can, they can drain you. Um, yeah. They really can. And, you know, you know, expending all the energy that you have to get to the end of those tournaments can some sometimes come back to harm you. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, winning and, you know, keeping mm-hmm. finding a way to get hot at the right time matters too. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how teams like that, how teams like Texas are affected by that, but it's going to be something to watch for sure. Yeah. I'm always curious to see how teams perform that play deep into the conference tournament and then have to go on the road for the postseason. You know, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of turnaround. You know, you're playing on Sunday, you're playing late into Sunday, you get back late. Okay. We got to oh, see where we got to see where we're going. And then we're like a team like Oklahoma is like, okay, we got to fly to Florida. Um, (laughs) You know, like, Hey, as a, as a, as an operations person that I can't imagine come comes off a week long tournament on the road Mm -hmm. where you don't know game. You don't know how long you're going to be there. Yeah. Right. You don't know how long you're going to be there. You don't know game time. So you're like going day by day with everything, which is stressful. Then you get back and then, Hey, here you go. You got to plan an entire trip potentially in 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> like they, for the people that don't know, you have the call or you have the selection show, you know, and then sometime at some point during the Monday afternoon, there's a call with all the teams in a regional, then you get sent a manual. And so, you know, luckily your, your hotel assignments are given to you. So you're not having to scramble to find a hotel, but you're having to plan meals. You're having mm-hmm. to plan travel and, you know, and it's not just the team. It's not just your normal little cluster that you take on a normal trip. You know, you got administrators jumping on, families are coming. It's mm-hmm. there's a lot of moving parts that a mm-hmm. lot of people don't understand. But you know, shout out to all the operations people across the country these last you know 24 hours and on you know for the next couple of days because it is yeah this is the most stressful time of the year when it comes to yeah that I mean stuff. And, and some of these ones too you look <clears throat> at some of these teams like Arizona is going to Miami, Gonzaga is going to Blacksburg, Vanderbilt's going to Corvallis. Uh, UCLA is going to Auburn. A lot of cross-country um, travel stuff for, for a lot of these programs, which which kind of surprised me a little bit. It feels like it feels like they paid attention to geography less than they usually do. 
You know, I thought for sure Texas and AM were going to be matched up regional wise. Like the winner 100%. of the Texas regional was going to play the winner of the AM regional. I thought for sure that was going to happen. Um, and, and that didn't happen. And yeah, it just seemed like it, they kind of paid attention a little less um, to the geography element than, than they normally do. Um, so yeah, you know, I thought, okay, Florida State's going to end up in Gainesville and they end up in Auburn. I mean, which is close, but that just right. they typically match those Florida teams up together. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I think that, you know, and I'm, I'm sure people have said this in the past, but, um, you know, it's like you get to the NFL draft and it's like, it's going to be the craziest NFL draft ever. And it kind of just ends up being the same thing. But um, I think this is going to be the most chaotic tournament we've seen in a while, just because there's, there's just not much separation. And it goes back to the pitching. We'll see when the major league draft comes around that there just isn't the college pitching that there normally is. There's the hitting, but there just isn't, you know, you used to kind of go down the list and like, Oh, this guy's going to be a first rounder. And this sophomore is probably going to be a first rounder. And this guy's put up huge numbers and this rotation's got three studs and there's not many of those teams besides you know, I think Tennessee might be one of the only ones um, that can kind of point to all the, the arm talent that they have. But um, and you got some teams, some new faces kind of in unfamiliar positions, you know, Virginia Tech being a number four overall seed and um, Maryland hosting and in and, uh, and Georgia Southern hosting. So um, I think it's going to be chaos. Um, you know, it'll be fun to follow and see, but I it would not be surprised if we see a ton of number two seeds win regionals. No doubt. No, yeah. it, it, that's what, that's what you want for the sport. Um, you yeah. Know, so, so it's not chalk, you know, chalk would be boring. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see like how it, I, I can't remember the last time the actual number one overall seed made it. Um, so Ooh, that's that'll be, point. yeah. Or, or not made it, but won it. Um, yeah. Cause so, what was yeah. Texas one or three last year? We were not one. No, three, um, I think then. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember last time number one overall season. And speaking of, a couple of, you know, you mentioned NC State. UTSA getting left out, like 33 in RPI, lost the title game in their conference title to La Tech 9-8. Like, and La Tech ended up being a two. So, you know, you're, you're kind of giving that conference a little bit of love there. That that one sucked because I know the I, job that they're doing down there. That, I they're 38-20, they should have gotten in. I will always hate that the automatic bursts go to the conference tournament winners. I hate yeah, that. I, I hate, hate it too. It. I hate it too. Um, I know why they do it, but it's, it's dumb. It, the right. it makes it, it makes is, sense. It makes sense for the big power five conferences, but yeah. you know, I mean, Hey, win at the right time, but still like, yeah, I mean, you have a clear cut team that just dominates a league all year long yeah. in some scenarios and they, you know, drop a two, a three game series the only one of the year that they've lost and they don't get yeah. the whole season. That, that's so that's that's brutal. I mean, you look at UTS, I mean, their RPI was better than Arkansas, was better than Ole Miss, Arizona, La Tech, like, and I know RPI is not the end all be all, but that's a team that that should have been the postseason. And you know, I was super fascinated to see how the committee was going to handle the Big 12 because there just wasn't much separation in the regular season. TCU not hosting is the first regular season big 12 champ that hasn't hosted since i think 1998 that used to 98 be with a&m you where they're win, going you win your regular season you host and i know their yeah. rpi was low and so i was like oh maybe maybe they're gonna end up being the exception to the rule um which ended up being the case so uh you know i, I the committee kind of showed it uh 
it's yeah, the, the resume sending, sending them out, sending them to college yeah. station for, for Jim Schlossnagel. Um, maybe, maybe that's why, maybe that's why they didn't match them up with Texas. Just say, Hey Jim, we, we got you once, but we're not going to get you twice. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, that one, that one's a little, but yeah, but UTSA getting left out is a real bummer. Um, I, I think that they had a, wor- a resume worthy of, of getting the tournament there, but be fun to watch where there's so much baseball going on, you know, obviously pro sides going on as well, but um, you know, and we're probably about like a month and a half away from the major league baseball draft, which uh, we'll talk about a ton as well, but you got to bracket out. You've got five tool events going. You've got the high school baseball playoffs down to their regional finals there. Um, a lot going on, a, a lot for us to talk about. Um, our schedule podcast wise, who knows? Cause we'll be at so much stuff. Uh, be kind of one of those like, all right, we've got a day. Let's uh, let's, let's knock this out. Cause uh, we'll obviously be at a lot of, a lot of games from now until probably August when things kind of slow down a little bit, but uh, August is also area code, um, which, which we hope to go out to and, and get a look at that kind of the kickoff for that, that 2023 class as it enters the focus um, on the scouting five for sure. But uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter. We've got our own podcast, Twitter and Instagram pages now at five tool pod P O D uh, make sure you're following those. We've got some people behind the scenes that are doing a great job helping promote this, uh, the podcast and getting it out to, to more people. And if you're, if you're enjoying this, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please re- leave a rating and review. kind of helps us get out and get a little bit more exposure. But make sure you're following all our coverage, Five Tool Wise, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, YouTube, YouTube. I, I, I We post some really, really cool um, not just our faces talking about stuff, but some really cool highlight reels and highlight packages of players from the from the video that we get all these events and stuff like that. It's it's a great glimpse at you know kind of the emerging talent, but also that established talent as well. So get to there and check that out. But uh, you got anything else? You done? Well, well, no, just getting started. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We got like I said, day one of college league starts here yeah. in an hour and a half. So I'm headed to Melissa. Oh, well, well, good luck. And uh, I'm going to knock out some writing from this high school stuff and um, get to work on on trying to figure out a schedule uh, for this week. A lot of stuff going on in the Houston area uh, with five tool events and some scout days for some of the club programs and stuff like that. And also some some playoff stuff as well. So kind of get into my um, channel, my my Tim's and Brewer and sit down in front of the laptop and try to put this puzzle together and make my time as, as efficient as possible. But uh, well, for Drew, I'm Dustin McComas. Thanks for tuning in and listening. I hope you guys have a good week. And until we talk to all next time, take care.